What's up, MLB Morning Coffee listeners? We have our first sponsor. Please welcome to the show, Sit Stay Paul. Is there a better feeling than walking through the door and seeing your dog so excited to see you? There really is nothing better than a happy, healthy dog. Sit Stay Paul, Boston-based dog treat company, focused on all natural, healthy ingredients, is dedicated to helping dogs live happier, healthier lives. At Sit Stay Paw, they treat dogs as part of the family and understand you do too. That's why they use the highest quality all-natural ingredients in each dog treat. Each recipe has been developed along board-certified veterinary nutritionists and is packed with the flavors your dog loves and the nutrition they need. Stocking stuffer ideas? Do your friends have dogs? Sit Stay Paw's Blueberry Pancake Chewies are made with real blueberries full of antioxidants, fiber, and vitamin C and K the perfect stocking stuffer dip for your friendly pooch. Their carob chip chewies are a natural sweet treat your dog will love, full of vitamins A, B, D, calcium, iron, magnesium, everything your dog needs. For the next four weeks, listeners can go to sitstaypaw.com. That's www.sitstaypaw.com. And on Facebook and Instagram, at sitstaypaw. And use code MLBCOFFEE. That's right, MLBCOFFEE. For 10% off your first order. Take a pic, throw it on the gram, get your dog on the Sit Stay Paw Instagram. Sit Stay Paw, go get your dog a treat. Now, on with the show. Ah, yes, welcome to MLB Morning Coffee, a production of the Ocean Avenue Studios here in San Francisco, California. I am Greg Mraz, the host of this program. Yes, I know we're not daily right now, but as baseball picks up, so will we. And we are brought to you by SitStayPaw.com. Go to SitStayPaw.com and a promo code MLBCOFFEE at checkout and receive 10% off of your first order. Again, that's SitStayPaw.com, promo code MLBCOFFEE to receive 10% off of your first order. The San Diego Padres made two monumental trades when they acquired Blake Snell and Hugh Darvish. Soon after, the New York Mets made a monumental trade to acquire Francisco Lindor. We're going to talk about that today, plus the signing of Kyle Schwarber by the Washington Nationals and the death of a baseball titan as Tommy Lasorda passed away at the end of this past week at the age of 93. We'll start off first with the Lindor trade to the New York Mets. There had been lots of speculation over the past year that Francisco Lindor was going to get traded before his contract expired, and sure enough, that happened just a few days ago. Lindor, along with Carlos Carrasco, were sent to the New York Mets in exchange for Andres Gimenez, Ahmed Rosario, Josh Wolf, and Isaiah Green. This has a couple of different messages to it. First, on the New York Mets side, it says that we're now owned by a multi-billionaire and we are not afraid to spend money. Francisco Lindor was going to get a lot of money when he hit free agency after the 2021 season. He, in his career, is a 285 hitter, 138 career home runs, and on base of 346. He has won two Gold Glove Awards, two Silver Slugger Awards, and he finished runner-up for Rookie of the Year back in 2015. Here are a couple of Lindor's best years. 
when he first burst onto the scene in 2016. He hit 301 in 158 games, 15 homers, and 78 RBI. In 2017, he was an All-Star again, 33 homers, 89 RBI, 273 average, his first Silver Slugger Award. By the way, in 2016 is when he got his first Gold Glove Award. 2018, I think, was probably his best year in terms of power numbers. 38 homers, 92 runs batted in, 277 average, 352 on base percentage. Earns his second Silver Slugger. In 2019, he picks up his second Gold Glove while hitting 284, the best average of his career since 2016, 32 homers, 74 RBI. And this past year, in just 60 games, he hits only 258, but still has eight homers and drives in 27. That's over a 60-game sample. So Francisco Lindor is somebody that has hit over 30 homers in his career three times. He's driven in over 75 runs three times, over 70 runs four times. He's got a career on base of 346, which is solid given that his career average is 285. Still, he's a 285 career hitting shortstop that is only 27 years of age. I'm 28 years old. I am older than Francisco Lindor, and I do not consider myself to be an old guy. This is a generational talent. And to me, the New York Mets decided we are willing to give up a boatload of prospects for this guy because we are going to sign him to an extension that will make him the franchise shortstop for the long term. Somebody was going to make him the franchise shortstop, and it was not going to be Cleveland. That was very obvious from the get-go going into the 2020 season. As soon as the rumors started coming out about the Indians trying to trade Francisco Lindor, it was pretty clear that before his contract expired, he would be traded. And that is a damn shame to me on the part of the Cleveland Indians. And the reason why it's a damn shame is that you're not holding on to a homegrown product. This is a guy that is one of the most energetic players in your organization. He is one of the most beloved athletes in the city of Cleveland. And the city of Cleveland has some of the most loyal sports fans in all of the United States, if not the world. The loyalty of Cleveland sports fans is as high as any fan base in the United States. You win in Cleveland, they will love you forever. Look at last night if you're an NFL fan. The Cleveland Browns won their first playoff game in ages. I don't know how long it was, but it was ages. They hadn't been in the playoffs in 18 years. The last time they were in the playoffs was 2002. Their head coach was Butch frickin' Davis. How many teams has Butch Davis coached since he last coached the Cleveland Browns? Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I probably will look up how many teams Butch Davis has coached. But the point being is that if you are loved in Cleveland, you are loved forever. And to me, I don't understand why the Cleveland Indians baseball organization or the Cleveland baseball team, whatever they're going to be called after 2021, why owner Paul Dolan wouldn't shell out the money to keep somebody like a Francisco Lindor. He is your franchise player. When you have somebody that is clearly a generational star and a franchise player, you do everything you can to keep him around. And the fact that the Cleveland Indians 
decided that they wanted to trade him away is reprehensible to me. Teams are making all these excuses that they can't pay these players, they can't pay their stars, they're not profitable. Remember when Bill DeWitt said that baseball isn't profitable? I rarely cuss on this podcast, but I'm going to right now. Bull freaking shit, it's not profitable. Even with the losses of the pandemic season, I still bet that with the TV revenue that the losses were minimal. We have absolutely no idea if we can actually prove that fact, but I believe that the losses were minimal. Because if the losses were so bad, how can the Washington Nationals decide they want to give Kyle Schwarber a $10 million contract? The year after he hits 188, 188 in 59 games. Kyle Schwarber has hit above 250 once in his career. That was 2019, and guess what he hit? Exactly 250. So if the Washington Nationals can give Kyle Schwarber a $10 million contract, then dadgummit, the Cleveland Indians should be able to pay Francisco Lindor whatever he wants. Don't tell me you don't have the money. Because you do. You just don't want to spend it. Just like the Chicago Cubs, with their own TV network, want to be able to save money by trading away the second best pitcher in the National League from last year. And to top that, you also gave up Carlos Carrasco, who is a solid number three starter. Carlos Carrasco, in his career, has won 88 games over 11 seasons. He has a 377 career ERA. His battle back from leukemia is one of the great stories of this past decade. Carlos Carrasco in 2020... He had a 2.91 ERA in 68 innings of work. Carlos Carrasco from 2014 until 2018 never had an ERA above 3.65. His earned run average from 2014 to 2018 by year, 255, 3.63, 3.32, 3.29, 3.38, and that streak came to an end in 2019 where his ERA was above 5. But again, He missed half the season battling leukemia and comes back this year and has a sub-3 ERA. Second time in his career that he's had a sub-3 ERA. So the Mets pick up a generational shortstop and a number three starter who is also, by the way, under contract for two more years plus a team option in 2023. In exchange... Here is what they got in exchange. Here are the stats for Ahmed Rosario. His best year came in 2019. 287 average, 15 homers, 72 RBI. Still a very young guy. But Ahmed Rosario is somebody that he's only 25 years old. He is first-year arbitration eligible after the 2021 season. So he's still very affordable. Andres Gimenez. I think Andres Gimenez is the idea for replacing Francisco Lindor because he is a shortstop. Played 49 games, hit 263, three homers, 12 RBI. He's a very fast runner. He stole eight bases, was caught one time. 
From what I've read on the scouting reports on Andres Gimenez, he's a very fleet of foot player. Ahmed Rosario and Andres Gimenez are both shortstops, although Gimenez can play second base and third base as well. So you traded away a generational talent in exchange for two guys that might end up being something. Rosario, who can fill the slot right now, and Gimenez, who can play all over the diamond. Josh Wolf is a second-round high school pick in the 2019 draft. So as a pitcher, especially a high school pitcher, we have no idea how he's going to turn out. This is a guy that you acquire based on potential, not on proven statistics. And then there's Isaiah Green, who was drafted in the second round of the 2020 draft and has no minor league statistics. This is the second blockbuster trade, by the way, that we've seen at least two guys traded to the team that gave up the star player that had not played above rookie ball. So the Cubs get back four guys that hadn't played above rookie ball. At least the Indians get only two guys back that hadn't played above rookie ball. The other two guys have played Major League Baseball. So a much better return for Cleveland than what Chicago got. We talked about this when we referenced the Mookie Betts trade way back when we first started this podcast. And I'm going to say this again right now. I don't understand why teams are so eager to trade away their stars, especially their homegrown stars. Like Blake Snell and Francisco Lindor should be in their respective home cities, meaning the teams that drafted them until their contract expires. And those teams should do everything they can to extend those players. Now, Blake Snell was still under contract. He was under contract until the end of the 2023 season. Why the Rays traded him, I still won't understand. Why Cleveland won't extend Francisco Lindor, why they refuse to pay their stars, is infuriating. It's infuriating as a baseball fan because, in my opinion, these players that love playing in the cities that drafted them should get every opportunity to stay in those cities. And it's not like Francisco Lindor said that he wasn't going to come back to Cleveland. It was more so that the Indians said, we're not going to pay what Lindor is probably going to ask for. And we're not going to pay what somebody else is more than likely going to offer him. And that's the frustrating part to me. I won't, for the life of me, understand why these owners won't open up their pocketbooks to pay the guys that the fans come to see. If you go to a Cleveland Indians game, you are there to see Francisco Lindor and Jose Ramirez. Those are the two guys that you go to a game to see because those are two must-see at-bats. Jose Ramirez could have been the AL MVP this past year, and Francisco Lindor has been one of the best players in baseball since 2016. To me, that is unquestioned. He is one of the best players. So while the Indians didn't trade him and Carlos Carrasco for a bag of beans necessarily, they traded two established major league players for two fringe major league players and two very young prospects. Basically, 
the equation in this trade comes down to this. The Indians wanted to dump money, and the Mets wanted to get better. If you want to say that the Indians did this to get better in the long term, you are a fool, and you are not paying attention because you do not trade away somebody like a Francisco Lindor in order to get better. In the last two years, since the start of the 2019 season, the Cleveland Indians have traded away their top three starting pitchers. They dealt away Trevor Bauer at the deadline in 2019. They dealt away Corey Kluber in the offseason in 2020. And they dealt away Carlos Carrasco just a few days ago. Your top three starting pitchers have all been traded away. And now you're relying on Tristan McKenzie, Zach Plesak, and a bunch of other young guys. Oh, I forgot Mike Clevenger. They traded away Mike Clevenger too. So from the start of the 2019 season, the Cleveland Indians traded away 80% of their starting rotation. How is that getting better? How can any fan base accept that? Especially when your team goes to the World Series in 2016 and wins the division in 2017 and 2018. How can you accept that? It is unacceptable what the Cleveland Indians have done to their baseball team. And yet in 2020, they still found a way to make the playoffs and were one of the top five teams in the American League. It helps that they had a Cy Young Award winner in Shane Bieber. That certainly helps your cause. But I'm just talking about the guys they had compared to the guys that they have now. And look, they've got a lot of really good starting pitching talent. I mean, they have the reigning Cy Young Award winner, for goodness sake. But at least in regards to the guys that you had, to the guys that you have, it shouldn't be that drastically different over the span of two years. It just shouldn't be. This is a bad precedent for baseball. And I sincerely hope that it does not continue. But if the Rays are willing to trade away Blake Snell with three years left on his contract, and the Cubs are willing to trade away Hugh Darvish with three years left on his contract, and the Red Sox are willing to trade away Mookie Betts, knowing that you have the money to re-sign him, but trading him away anyway, this is a trend that I hope will come to an end sooner than later. But right now, given how owners continue to cry poor, there's just no sign of it stopping. And I guarantee you, this will not be the last episode that we do in regards to a team trading away a generational superstar. So, a little bit here on the Kyle Schwarber contract. He gets a $10 million one-year deal, but our good friend, Bob Nightingale, explained that the contract structure goes as follows. It is a $7 million base salary with an $11 million mutual option for 2022. It is a $3 million buyout on that option, which is why it is listed as a one-year $10 million deal. If he only spends one year in Washington, 
it is a $10 million contract. If he spends two, it's the equivalent of a two-year, $18 million contract. I don't have an issue with a team signing Kyle Schwarber, given the fact that he hit 38 home runs just two years ago. Here's the issue that I have. Kyle Schwarber, at this point in his career, to me, is a designated hitter. He is an average outfielder. He is somebody that wanted to be a professional catcher, but the Cubs never really gave him the opportunity to be a pro catcher. He has two years of at least 30 homers in his career. He has one year of over 90 RBI. That was 2019. 2019 was the best year that Kyle Schwarber ever had. Most games, most homers, most RBI, highest batting average, all the rest. That was his best year. Will Kyle Schwarber be the guy that the Cubs thought he would be when they drafted him fourth overall in the 2014 MLB draft? Maybe. He has the potential to be a guy that can hit over 30 homers for you. But I bring up his position to say that, quite simply, the Nationals gave him way too much money given the fact that we do not know if there is going to be a National League designated hitter in 2021. We still have no idea whether or not a DH is going to be universal in this upcoming baseball season. If it is, then Kyle Schwarber is a good sign for the Washington Nationals. If it's not, you got to put that guy out in left field every single day. You just paid $10 million for a below-average left fielder. What does it say that the Cubs non-tendered him, and if he had stayed with the Cubs, if they had tendered him a contract, he would have probably gotten $3 million less than he got from the Washington Nationals. He got cut, basically, and gets a $3 million pay increase. Nice life if you can get it. And finally, we remember the life of Tommy Lasorda, who passed away late Thursday night at the age of 93. The legendary Dodgers manager was in the Dodger organization for over 50 years, managing the Dodgers from 1976 to 1996, winning two World Series titles in 1981 and 1988. Lasorda compiled a career major league managerial record of 1,599 wins and 1,439 losses. He won four National League pennants and eight division titles. Tommy Lasorda had to retire due to health issues after the 1996 season and was elected to Baseball's Hall of Fame as a manager in 1997. He did, however, return to manage the 2000 U.S. Olympic team, which won gold in the Sydney Olympics. Tommy Lasorda's last public appearance was at Game 6 of the 2020 World Series where he got to see his beloved Dodgers win their first title in 32 years. He was the manager of the last team that had won a title back in 1988. Tommy Lasorda was a larger-than-life figure. He was known as being a celebrity manager. He had appearances on TV shows such as Chips, Simon & Simon, Silver Spoons, Fantasy Island, and Everybody Loves Raymond. He also was a regular on a syndicated baseball instructional show for kids called The Baseball Bunch. Tommy Lasorda was not exactly a PG figure, though. 
he had a lot of sound bites that, let's just say radio producers and television producers, had to use the bleep button a lot more than they probably wanted to. This is probably my favorite Tommy Lasorda rant. This was after Dave Kingman of the Chicago Cubs hit three home runs against Lasorda's L.A. Dodgers, and Lasorda was asked about Dave Kingman's performance. Warning, there are lots of F-bombs in this clip. What's your opinion of Kingman's performance? What's my opinion of Kingman's performance? What the fuck you think is my opinion of it? I think it was fucking horseshit. Put that in. I don't fucking opinion of his performance. Jesus Christ, he beat us with three fucking home runs. <laughs> what the fuck do you mean? What is my opinion of his performance? How can you ask me that question like that? What is my opinion of his of, of his performance? Jesus Christ, he hit three home runs. Jesus Christ, I'm fucking pissed off to lose a fucking game. And you ask me my opinion of his performance. Jesus Christ. I mean, that's a tough question to ask me, isn't it? What is my opinion of his performance? Yes, it is. I ask it, and you gave me an answer. Well, I didn't give you a good answer because I'm mad, but I mean... That wasn't a good question. That's a tough question to ask me right now. What is my opinion of his performance? I mean, you want me to tell you what my opinion of his performance is? It just did. That's right. Jesus Christ. Guy hits three home runs against us. Shit. I mean, I don't want to, I don't mean to get pissed off or anything like that, but, uh, you know, you ask me my opinion. I mean, he put on a hell of a show. He hit three home runs. He drove in, what, seven runs? Eight. Eight runs. So what the hell more can you say about it? I didn't mean to get mad or anything like that, but goddamn. He asked me my opinion of his, of his performance. See you, Joe. That's sort of the guy that Tommy Lasorda was. He almost killed the Philly Fanatic one time because the Fanatic was making fun of him. So that's one storyline that people will remember about Tommy Lasorda. He also got Yuppie, the Montreal Expos mascot, ejected from a game because he was laying on top of the Dodgers dugout. Which, to me, is a little bit ridiculous. Like, it's Yuppie. He's having fun. He's like the most useless mascot ever. He's just some Canadian with a ginger beard. But that was Tommy Lasorda. He was not afraid to get animated. He was not afraid to speak his mind. I actually remember, and this was my first baseball winter meetings, I didn't actually get to meet him. But I remember my first winter meetings in San Diego. They had... Two different hotels, one major league hotel and one minor league hotel. The minor league hotel was a Hilton right down by the water and then a little bit further north on that main strip of road that goes by the convention center. If anybody knows the geography of San Diego, if you don't, then I'm probably speaking to nothingness. But you go up a main road that borders the water and across the water is Coronado Island and there's a Hyatt. So the Hyatt was the major league hotel and you go inside and you basically are amongst the lobby with everybody in baseball. There's no security, although I imagine that's going to be a whole lot different now coming up in in-person future winter meetings due to coronavirus and other security concerns. Obviously, we have not touched on what happened at the Capitol over the weekend. I'm not going to discuss that until I feel like it needs to be discussed. But in any event, I walk in the front door of this hotel and literally standing square in front of me with like five different people around him having five different conversations at the same time is Tommy Lasorda. 
And it's like he's the most recognizable figure that you can find. You know, a little bit barrel-chested, larger-than-life figure, just a man of the people, just standing there in the middle of this random lobby with a lot of people just going around him having no clue who this is. Like, this is a legendary Major League Baseball figure. Tommy Lasorda, by the way, and this is one of the best parts about Tommy Lasorda, he had a Major League career that was, wait for it, only 26 games long. He was the Dodgers' AAA manager by 1969 and became Walter Alston's third base coach in 1973. A couple of other great stories about Tommy Lasorda, one of them when he was the manager in Pocatello in the Pioneer League where I used to manage, he was one of the main instigators of a bench-clearing brawl against Idaho Falls. Yes, this is back when Pocatello had a minor league baseball team. If you went to Pocatello now, you'd have no clue that a minor league baseball team ever existed there. But yes, Tommy Lasorda got in a benches-clearing brawl between Idaho Falls and Pocatello. One of the legendary stories of southeastern Idaho that probably doesn't get talked enough. And then my other favorite story that I just discovered... Tommy Lasorda actually played in a Northwest League All-Star game in 1977. He was brought up to assist with the coaching staff, and one of the rosters ran out of players. So he ended up pitching the last two innings. Like, this is awesome. This is a major league manager that is pitching in a minor league baseball All-Star game. Like, how awesome is that? So rest in peace to Tommy Lasorda. And look, even being here in San Francisco, a lot of people that cover baseball around here are acknowledging their fond memories of Tommy Lasorda. You can hate the Dodgers all you want, but you cannot hate Tommy Lasorda. He was a controversial figure at times. He was certainly a larger-than-life human on and off the baseball field. But he is, without a doubt, one of the most legendary managers in the history of Major League Baseball. Rest in peace to blue number two, Tommy Lasorda. That's going to do it for us here on a Monday morning edition of MLB Morning Coffee. Sincerely appreciate your time listening to this show. Remember, write a review, leave a rating, and subscribe. It helps out our metrics tremendously. We are approaching 200 episodes. We are getting to that point at some point in this new year. So we have really put the pedal to the metal or at least I'm going to try and put the pedal to the metal to try and get more content out on the baseball side moving forward into the month of January. Also, if you have any comments, advertising inquiries, or the like, email greg.moraz at yahoo.com. That's G-R-E-G dot M-R-O-Z at yahoo.com. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of MLB Morning Coffee, a production of the Ocean Avenue Studios. Have a great day. We'll talk to you next time.